The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, Lynn Cooper of the Mirrors Project brings us part one of fall and winter fashions. And uh-oh, the ACB president has his suitcase packed. Where in the world is he going? Welcome to ACB Reports for November 2012. This fall and winter fashion season is shaping up to be a busy one. Lynn Cooper from the Mirrors Project says there's a lot going on this year, especially for ladies. Well, hello, everybody. This is Lynn Cooper at ACB Reports with my wonderful host, Mike Duke. And we're here to bring you your fashion update pulled directly from This Continent and Other Continents fashion magazines and fashion newswires and all sorts of resources to make it fully accessible to our listeners. We're going to start with Women's Fall and Winter 2012-13 Fashion Trends. And I'm going to share the major themes. These are the trends, ladies, that are really carried by a number of designers. And one of them is the color burgundy, based on the burgundy wine. It's a dark, dark, dark red, often called claret or oxblood. But for the most part, it's burgundy. It's a very, very deep red. That is very, very big in every part of fashion and even in men's fashion. Hot pink, staying in the red family, is very big too, and navy, but this time it's kind of wild because navy blue, that's a very dark navy, very dark blue, is shown with black. And because they're so similar for years, probably as long as I can remember, designers never put them together because there's not much contrast, but now they are. Then we have the military look. This is a look where we have double breasts. We're seeing it in coats and jackets, once again, all for women, with the gold or the metallic buttons, the double-breasted. So military look meaning simply elements from a military uniform. Then we have the bohemian hippie, as I call it, look, and that's the print fabrics and very flowy and kind of loose, very Californian. Then a look that's very, very popular and an easy way to update one's wardrobe to be current is the slacks are tailored, flat front, meaning no pleats, slim, very, very slim. So no matter what size you are, they're creased. And they're just about at the ankle, no cuff or anything. Then we have prints. Prints are very big. And what's really fun is in pants, you're doing prints, and you can wear a simple solid color blouse or, or sweater on top, but there's geometric prints and florals. And then a very big look is Baroque, and that refers to a uh, time in history when everything was very gilded and orpico and lots of bells and whistles and very rich ornamentation to give the feeling of being very rich. A lot of jeweled fabrics, we're calling them embellished and courtly. Prada designer, Mucha Prada, did clothing where she actually puts fake gems all over the garment. That is a very big look. Goth, and goth refers to gothic, and that is where the 
style is very dark. There's often black hair, black coal, K-O-H-L, um, eyeliner, and it's very dark and very black and very dramatic. Not a great look if you're over 15, is my suggestion, or you want to play with it for evening, but it is definitely a trend that is up and coming down the runway. Then leather, of course, we're seeing everything from leather hats, leather gloves, leather blouses, leather pants, leather dresses, leather skirts, which is probably not too unusual. Leather always pops up in every uh, season, it seems. Black and red together, to go back to the colors, not just black and not just red, but black and red is uh, a big look. Big, oversized, mannish coats. Now, here's a great way to pull this trend in, and that is to go to the Salvation Army or a resale shop, Go to the men's department and get one of the 1940s, 1950s big men's coats. That way you've got the trend, it's cozy, you can put sweater over sweater under it if it's chilly, and then you don't need to spend a lot of money. Lace, we're seeing a lot of lace. Lace in blouses, lace in dresses, lace in shoes, lace handbags. And cropped trousers. Now when we say cropped, C-R-O-P-P-E-D, we are referring to simply shortened, and that goes to the, you might say, mid-calf between your knee and your ankle, and that is for dress pants as well as casual pants. Peplums, and that's P-E-P-L-U-M, that is something that was big in spring, and things usually last for about a year because designers make enough pieces, and it's difficult to change on a dime. So what you usually see in spring will often carry through to fall. A peplum is the ruffle, a large ruffle, if you will. It's often a foot or more long. That starts at the waist of a jacket, and it goes just over the hips. Now, you can imagine if one has a little more hips than they would like. It's probably not the best look because it does exaggerate. The viewer's eyes will look at that, and it will actually exaggerate the hip area. Big floral prints, yeah, fall, winter, floral prints. A sign of hope, I guess, in those dreary winter days, but a lot, a lot of big floral prints. And winter whites. We're seeing white from neck to heel in sweaters and tights and leggings and suits and coats. But you will never see white shoes. You know, you'll have an accessory that is a dark color as well as the dark shoes or boots. Velvet, very big, but we have to be careful about velvet because when we sit on velvet, velvet's like a very short hair fabric and it's cut. Uh, imagine a dog that has long hair and then it's shaved very short to about an eighth of an inch, oh, maybe sixteenth of an inch. Well, what happens is those little hairs, if you will, when you continue to sit, will never bounce back. So if we have something velvet, my feeling is, you know, have it in a coat or a jacket or something where you can just take it off when you get to the event, but be careful because it will uh, flatten. And then the uh, light will hit it differently, so we have to be conscious of that. And then uh, finally, reptile print fabric. So we're not going to be wearing snakeskin blouses so much as they're um, taking photo prints are very big. You know, like with technology being what it is, the photographic technology, photo prints are really big and they look quite realistic. So they're transferring these photo prints to fabric. So that's what we're seeing with uh, reptile prints. As we go to the other parts of a woman's look this fall, let's start with hair. 
there is really a big look in that it's a very simple look this year. I think because we're seeing so much detail and so many bells and whistles and so many goo on the clothing, what we're doing is we're seeing a very simplified hair. Now, ladies, if you don't have long hair, remember, we are not advising you all to run out to the store and to the hair salon to get these looks. We're just making the magazines accessible. Long and straight or slightly bouncy light curls, very, very big. A center part. Now, I, for one, am not real sure who looks great in the center part unless you're running down a, a runway as a model, but it's a very 1960s, 1970s look. We also have a French twist, which can be done nicely if you have long hair and you don't want it down, for instance, for business. Just twist it back, put a clip in, and, and there you go. Um, the Bridget Bardot. I don't know if anybody remembers her. Uh, I'm dating myself, but she was in the 60s, and she was a French actress who had her hair pulled back on top, and then it was teased, so it, it was raised off of the forehead. But very, very little hair this fall is short and on the face. It's, for the most part, very sleekly pulled back and probably the biggest look in hair. And you can do this, really, with any length of hair as long as it's um, somewhat long enough to pull it behind your head, is a ponytail. And the ponytails are very sleek and you can often put some product in to get them really flat to your head. Or they're somewhat messy and the ponytail is shown either high, meaning high in the back of your head, or low towards the nape of your neck. And there's a number of ways to tie that ponytail. You can use a rubber band, of course, and then maybe put a ribbon around it. It's never a good idea to leave a, a bare rubber band. So then we go to makeup, which is another very important accessory, because even though we cannot see People are able to view us, and the eyes of the observer goes directly to our face, so we have to be conscious of our, our makeup. Now, there are two real big trends in makeup, and the first look is a very dramatic eye, reminiscent of the hairstyles in the 1960 looks. There's a very exaggerated eyeliner, up like a cat eye, where the dark eyeliner is drawn past the eye itself, up outside of the eye and it's very dark and it's very dramatic and it's certainly not a business look but it is very exaggerated eye. Now that is also a look to be worn with very sheer cheeks, very sheer lip color. I mean if you want attention to go to one place and that in that case would be going to your eyes. Now if you did not have the exaggerated eyes the other look is very dark red lipstick, dark, dark, dark red. So one or the other, dramatic eyes or dramatic dark red lips, one or the other. So remember the focal point. Accessories and jewelry, simple, clean, very minimal pieces. Once again, let the clothing speak for itself with all the ornamentation and embellishment and all the very powerful uh, style statements. Or if the clothing is simple, you're seeing big, be ethnic jewelry, lots of bracelets, lots of big stones and many necklaces and big beads and what have you. Eyeglasses. What we're really finding, it's kind of fun. Um, when I was in high school, Mike, I had to wear eyeglasses. And I was so embarrassed thinking that 
they would not look right on me. And now all of those eyeglasses, and really this has been happening for probably 20, 30, or maybe 20 years, they become so popular. So no more do we need to feel, oh, I don't want to wear eyeglasses, and especially those who wear sunglasses. They're bigger than ever. And what we're seeing are not only, I remember I had glasses that I thought, oh, these are nerd glasses. Well, now the look is nerd and geek chic. G-E-E-K, like a computer geek, which now it seems everybody wants to be after Bill Gates set the trend. And then we have the geek chic eyeglasses, meaning they're very, very exaggerated. They're not wireless or wire rim. They're not frameless. They're really designed to call attention, either in tortoiseshell or in a solid color frame. But they are very, very exaggerated. And that is being shown in both sunglasses and in regular eyeglasses. Long gloves. Gloves, of course, are always big, but it's really a part of that 1960s, 70s look and just about every other to wear gloves that would come right over your elbow because a lot of the jackets are being shown with what we call bracelet-length sleeves, and that would be where the jacket ends between your wrist and your elbow. Hats are a big statement. Uh, hats are a tricky thing to wear, certainly indoors, but they are not the kind of hats we're used to, Mike, where it's just a fedora or a version of a man's hat or cap. These are really art pieces, so we're seeing them on the runway. I'm not sure if they're really going to translate much uh, to what's delivered to the stores. Shoes. We're seeing a lot of platforms again. High heels are big still. Stilettos are big, but we're still seeing the platforms, which mean if you have a four, three, four-inch heel on the runway, you're going to be having at least an inch platform under the sole of the shoe, which makes that heel easier to walk in. Thigh high boots very big, whether they are flats or whether they are high heels, which we're seeing more of. That would be boots that come up to your thigh, between the knee and your hip. Ankle boots are very big, and those are kind of fun because they're not only worn with pants, but they're worn with uh, skirts too. So a lot of these are embellished. They're either in fabric, as I said earlier, you can see them in lace, fur, with jewels, pretend jewels, of course, faux gems on them. And then a big look for women is Oxfords, and those are uh, reminiscent of men's lace-up shoes, um, and we're seeing a lot of those in metallic. So uh, what has remained a constant is black. Of course, women would be kicking and screaming if black went away for more than a season. And the hem lines of skirts and dresses are at or just below the knee. Now, jeans, always important to talk about jeans, I think, because blue jeans are a staple for many, but also something that does change, and we do want to keep uh, constant with uh, fashion as much as we can, at least current. Cropped jeans are big. This would be for casual, and they are narrow, so we're not doing the boyfriend jeans, as they were called a couple seasons ago, which are big and slouchy, but these are cropped jeans, which are very narrow, small roll of the hem, and those are just below the knee. They're in a darker color jean, okay? We also are seeing Western-inspired denim, 
And then we're seeing denim jackets, ripped denim, remember, casual, casual only, and colored denim, which is fun, in both cropped jeans and otherwise. And finally, handbags. Handbags, the biggest style that I have discerned across the board is the satchel style, and that's S-A-T-C-H-E-L. And that is simpler styles. Handles would only wear them either grasped in your hand or over your elbow. They're not long enough to go over your shoulder. We're not seeing a lot of shoulder bags. Practical bags, if you can believe it, but not boring. They're done in a lot of interesting colors. And then we're also seeing something I think kind of practical, especially if you go out to dinner, and that is a tiny bag. We're talking, you know, 8 inches or 6 inches by 6 inches. And those would either be on a wrist strap, and they're called a wristlet, if you refer to a small bag like that, with a strap, or they have a long strap, a thin strap, that would go across the chest so that your hands are free. And all of the handbags we're seeing are embellished. They're in brighter colors. Some of them are in fur, fabric, metallic, or lace. So that pretty much is a look at women's fall and winter 2012-2013 fashion trends. And uh, ladies, have fun with it. That was Lynn Cooper from the Mirrors Project. Lynn will return next month with her fashion report for gentlemen. Visit Lynn at her website, lynncooper.us. That's L-Y-N-N-C-O-O-P-E-R dot U-S. Send your suggestions or comments regarding ACB reports to the American Council of the Blind, 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia, 22201. Catching up with any ACB president can be a challenge. Shortly after Hurricane Sandy wrecked havoc along the East Coast, ACB reports did in fact catch up with ACB President Mitch Pomerantz, but just in time because he was closing the lid on a well-packed suitcase. More about his trip in a moment, but first, Mr. President, do you have any news from affiliates of states that were visited by Hurricane Sandy? Yes, I have, Mike. On Tuesday morning, I made uh, several phone calls primarily to folks in and around the New York City area, and interestingly, speaking to a couple of folks in Manhattan, some more folks out on Long Island, they came away pretty well and, in fact, continued to uh, have electricity. They did indicate that uh, some of their members uh, had to evacuate and had not yet returned to their homes, but We've not heard of any injuries or loss of life in the New York City area. I spoke to one of our members in West Virginia. However, that individual lives below the snow line. I didn't realize that there was a part of West Virginia that would be below the snow line, but this lady does. And she said that there was, where she was, certainly lots of flooding, and you couldn't really go anywhere in town, but the folks she knew of were safe. 
And then on uh, our uh, general membership list, ACBL, uh, I've not seen anything to indicate serious problems for our members. And of course, uh, those folks that had to leave uh, or where there's no power, we might not hear from them for a few days. But right. Shades of Katrina for us folks here in the South that remember that all too well. Uh, how about New Jersey? Have you heard from folks in New Jersey? No, I've not heard from anyone in New Jersey. Somebody did post an article um, because there had been an inquiry regarding the seeing eye. And the seeing eye in Morristown, uh, they're inland a bit from the coast. And everything there seemed to be okay other than, again, loss of uh, electricity for some time. As we record this, you're literally packing your bags uh, first for the fall convention of California Council of the Blind, but uh, for something that's even bigger than that, we often hear about World Blind Union, and you and I and, and others have never really sat and talked about the World Blind Union. We should probably do that in greater detail at some point, but you're off to where? I'm off to Bangkok, Thailand. My wife Donna and I are on a flight that leaves Los Angeles at 11 o'clock Wednesday morning, and we get into Bangkok about 11 o'clock in the evening Thursday of next week. Of course, uh, that's across the dateline, right? It is across the dateline. In fact, coming back, we leave on the 17th and come back and get back home to L.A. on the 17th. We'll, <laughs> we'll make how, it up. How many actual hours is the flight? Oh, I think the first leg uh, to Tokyo is close to 12 hours, and then we have, uh, I think, another six to Bangkok. Coming back, we go through Hong Kong, and it's uh, almost three hours, one leg, and 12 or 13 coming from uh, Hong Kong back to Los Angeles. Give us an overview of the World Blind Union, what it is, what it does, and uh, your purpose in being there. Well, the World Blind Union is the international body that comprises all of the organizations of and for the blind in the world hence the name. We meet every four years. This is what is called the eighth quadrennial meeting. The two organizations that got together to found the WBU uh, did so back in, what, 1980, I guess. And the union uh, holds a series of plenary sessions. It's much like an ACB convention and it's happening jointly with an organization called the International Council for the Education of the Blind and Visually Impaired, or Blind and Visually Impaired People. And it's divided up into regions. We're part of the North American Caribbean region, Canada, the United States, and the English-speaking countries making up the Caribbean. And ACB has two votes. Uh, Kim Charlson, our first vice president, and myself, we are the two ACB delegates. And uh, NFB has two votes, National Industries for the Blind, American Foundation for the Blind, American Printing House for the Blind, and some other organizations in Canada. So we will go and we will elect uh, officers and we will vote on a number of internationally oriented resolutions. Uh, our region is presenting one on uh, technology and working more closely with uh, those companies that manufacture technology. We will hear from a number of speakers regarding initiatives, employment initiatives, and other initiatives around the world. 
and hopefully be exposed to uh, some of the culture of the area as well. I believe the World Blind Union did some extensive work on that international copyright treaty. Yes, Chris Friend, who is a leader in the uh, World Blind Union, is very actively involved in attempting to finalize a document under the auspices of the World Intellectual Property Organization, or WIPO, and Melanie Brunson, who just got back from Geneva in October and who will be going again in November, indicated to me that uh, they are making progress and perhaps uh, with WBU's uh, influence and involvement we'll have a treaty, at least most of us hope there will be a treaty, by this time next year. Great. Do you have any idea at this point how many nations will be attending the meeting in Bangkok? I believe that there will be in excess of 150 nations. We went four years ago when the meeting was in Geneva, and it was a fascinating experience to see how blind and visually impaired people function from other countries. In fact, that was our first trip to Europe, just to see how, at least in one little corner of Europe, blind people were treated by the local society, the local culture, and so we'll get to see that this time uh, in uh, Southeast Asia. And we're pleased to be playing a major role on the international stage. I'll be making two presentations, one at the Diversity Forum and then another one at a uh, joint WBU uh, ICEVI workshop. And I believe it's the first time that anyone from ACB has had the honor of representing the organization at WBU in a uh, presentation capacity. So I'm real pleased about that. We look forward to hearing more about that. Have a safe trip. Work in some fun while you're over there. It shouldn't be all work. We'll try. Donna wants to ride an elephant, and I told her I'd be happy to watch her, but she can do that. I'm going to sit on the sidelines. ACB President Mitch Pomerantz was recorded on November 1st. He has promised to tell us more about his trip to Bangkok and, yes, too, about the World Blind Union upon his return. been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.